0: And So we do thank God for his presence tonight. He is here. He is here and we are are gathered in his name. And So it's exciting to be before you tonight. Thank God for his presence. Thank God for your presence again. It is good to see everyone. And so uh, tonight, you know, again, we've been dealing with the presence of the Lord. Uh, And, you know, I remember it was a couple of weeks ago where I gave out a sheet. Uh, that had an outline or just some of the notes uh, that I've that I've been given, and it's so uh, it'll be uh, according to that. We'll, we'll deal with something else with that as well. Uh, if you do have your sheet, if not, that's fine. We'll, you know, we're still gonna we'll talk about it anyways. But we talked about respond different responses to the presence of the Lord because when God shows up, one, it requires recognition, then then also the recognition uh, it requires our response. Uh, Because we need uh, he desires feedback. He desires a response from his people when he shows up. And so we've looked at scripture uh, before and just seen how people have marked the moment and and marked the occasions and some of the blessings that they've received. Uh, But uh, we want to take a look at another thing uh, that is that that is found in his presence as a blessing, but then also as a response as well. And so on the sheet before, uh, is number four, and it said rest and recharge, but just a quick little update to that. One other word I want to add to that is retreat, rest, and recharge. Retreat, rest, and recharge, which is a promise, but then also a response that we have as well. <clears throat> and so the definition of retreat, according to Merriam-Webster's uh, dictionary, it says this, an act or process of withdrawing. As a matter of fact, when we think about it, when we think about rest and retreat, even before we go there to definition, this is something in connection to the kingdom of God that is beyond a vacation or a staycation. The retreat, rest, and recharge is beyond a vacation or a staycation. What this is, it's an intentional moment to get away, to be in the presence of the Lord. And it's in these moments, oftentimes, not all the times, but oftentimes in isolation where the voice of the Lord speaks to us away from the noise of everyday life. And so it's intentional to be able to retreat, to rest and recharge, you know, in in this regard. And so, uh, again, retreat by definition. We'll start there first. It says it's an act or process of withdrawing, especially from what is difficult, dangerous or disagreeable. That's just one aspect which we're commonly aware of in a military sense. But in the kingdom, there's a whole nother different uh, implication in regards to this. Yeah, so the act of process or withdrawing, especially from what is difficult, dangerous, or disagreeable. And of course, you can kind of just paraphrase. We understand in, you know, in battle sometimes people retreat because the circumstance is too dangerous. Uh, but then another definition of retreat is a place of privacy or safety. Or refuge. And then also one that we're familiar with as well, a period of or group, a period or group withdrawal for prayer. Meditation or study. Retreat in that sense as well. And so again, it's the act. Or process of withdrawing, especially for what is difficult, dangerous, or disagreeable. Number two, it's a place of privacy or safety or what we can refer to as refuge. And then it's a period of group withdrawal for prayer, meditation, or study or instruction. And oftentimes that can be under a director as well, especially for people that go to quote-unquote retreats. So let's go to uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, something that we're familiar with or he- have heard of, but we're going to walk through this tonight. 1 Kings chapter 19, and this is still under retreat. 1 Corinthians, uh, I said 1 Corinthians, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1 through 4. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. And again, this is 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1 through 4. We remember this gentleman named Elijah. And so to provide context, the chapter before, he had just called up, you know, uh, several hundred of prophets from a false god, and they met on Mount Carmel. And, of course, the, the, the prophets, they did, you know, he said, whoever is God, let him, you know, answer by fire. And so the prophets, they did all this, the false prophets of Baal did all these things um, to provoke their gods to be able to show up. And then, of course, it was something that was so long and arduous, you know, Elijah even came to the point of mocking. It's like, man, where are y'all got at? Is he on a break? You know, what's he doing? Where has he been? And got to the point that even the false prophets started cutting themselves, drawing their own blood to invoke the presence of their God. I think that's interesting. But their presence of their God did not show up. And then Elijah in grand fashion had water poured upon the sacrifice and, and several things. You can go back and look at it that took place. But when he called upon the name of the Lord, Fire came down from heaven in a powerful and in a grand fashion. That's a serious encounter. It's a public encounter (laughs) for everybody to see, you know what, this is the presence of the Lord and this is God. And then he slayed those prophets, went to work, uh, you know, killed those prophets. And so, of course, those prophets were in connection to uh, King Ahab. But then also Ahab was married to this woman who we've heard before, Jezebel. And we know she was wicked. And so it was told of her what happened, what what Elijah did to her prophets. And then this is her response, starting with verse one. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also. If I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. In other words, you know what? Let the guys do to me whatever if you ain't dead and killed the way that you killed all those prophets, all those false prophets that that were with me. So she's saying this, and and I'm sure it was in venomous fashion, and uh, you can do however however theatrics that you can imagine. I'm sure that was a part of it. Verse 3, and when he saw that, he arose. Here's Elijah. Killed all those prophets Called upon the name of the Lord. God shows up in fire, 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 (laughs) literally came down. But it says this verse three. And when he saw that he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah and left his servant there. But he himself went an additional day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree or juniper tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. What we see here is a retreat. This is a retreat part here. There was there was and he was he was he's retreating for one sense. But, you know, God and his providence had other plans, even in the midst of this. Here's the thing about it. You can never run. When God calls you, you can never run from his presence. (laughs) And so, anyways, Elijah just had one of the more powerful public encounters that we've ever seen in the Old Testament. And after that encounter, news came to him that Jezebel wanted him dead by this time tomorrow. Well, clearly her word did not come to pass. But there's one thing that I want to mention in regards to this, you know, when we, when we have encounters or when the presence of God shows up in a grand fashion, this is one thing that is good as far as for just wisdom um, for you to be able to understand. Sometimes after a great encounter, is followed by an attack. When we get into the presence of the Lord, the, the enemy is not just resting on his laurels. Oftentimes it's followed by an attack. And so when you're ministering before people, the prayer after the ministry is just as important, if not more so, because of this. <clears throat> so whenever we're doing whatever it is that God has called us to do, You know, oftentimes we pray in preparation for it, but we don't want to be, you know, once it's done and then we just continue on. But it's always good practice, good habit and great awareness to be able to cover yourself even more so because you're open. There's a sensitivity that's there. Mind, body and spirit. And so, again, take authority. Here's the thing that you can do. You can take authority over repercussions and close any spiritual doors and gates. This is one thing that I've I've realized, uh, you know, sometimes, and again, it's different for different people, but sometimes low thinking, doubt, and depression will try to come after a mountaintop experience. Mm -hmm. Or after a grand moment, sometimes it'll be um, low thinking, it'll be, uh, or or, or doubt, where you wonder, it's like, man, did this even happen? What in the world? Why did this happen? And sometimes you can question. But there's always additional work that has to be accomplished, so that's why we want to make sure we cover ourselves and do what is necessary um, to retreat. My parents actually have a ministry, a 501c3 ministry, you know, even when I was uh, uh, just feeding on this myself. And I was like, man, you know what, they have a ministry called Retreat to His Presence. Okay. And what it is is actually they do retreat ministry. They provide an atmosphere. They provide an environment uh, for people's lives to be restored. And that's important. That's critical. There's things that we encounter, there's things that we go through in life and we don't even fully know the hits that we might be taking. But then there's moments where God will call us away to retreat to his presence. And so we need moments to retreat. And so this is not something as far as for just retreating because of something that is difficult or dangerous or disagreeable. But for us in the kingdom, the retreats are specifically designed to empower you to take charge and advance toward the next assignment in renewed strength. I'm going to say that again. The retreats are specifically designed to empower you to take charge and advance toward the next assignment in renewed strength. And so, afterwards, he's 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 gone into the the wilderness, and then there's one level of encounter, one level of encounter there, because I tell you what, the next thing you know, even after after retreat, even after you get away, the next thing that we need in response to his presence, and if that's a promise in his presence, is rest. Somebody just say the word rest out of your mouth right there. There's no rest like rest in his presence. And so same chapter, verse five through 10. Then as he lay and slept under a broom or juniper tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Verse seven. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat, because the journey Is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horab, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he, God, said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant torn down your altars and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Now, one thing I will say this. Do not make, and this is just something for, for wisdom, do not make any serious statements or decisions without rest. We see here, and I think this is so cool here, Elijah goes to a place, and the angel of the Lord shows up and has a divine meal for him. You have a cake and then you have water to refresh him and gave it to him twice and said that. You know what? Look, look, you need to rest. You need to make sure that you get something in your body. You need to eat because the journey right now is too much for you. There's still some more things that have to be done. So rest is key. Rest in his presence. And this. it's something that God draws us to. So, again, you need to make sure that you eat properly. <laughs> Just even in the natural, as well as in the spirit. Make sure you're feeding yourself in the spirit. And then make sure that you are eating what you need to eat, even in in your physical body, and resting appropriately. Because things that you do in the kingdom can take a toll on you physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It can wear on your body. I remember hearing of a testimony of someone, a matter of fact, it was uh, Dr. Randy Clark. He was sharing about, I guess, someone of times past that was praying for revival, praying for revival, praying for revival. And then revival came and then the person actually uh, was in in revival so much that their physical bodies got worn out. And then they went on, you know, to be with the Lord. You know, something happened where the bodies just couldn't take it. So there's wisdom even in the midst of this. And that part of that wisdom is resting. You got to be able to discern and feel. As a matter of fact, I think about it. It's practical, but it is so true. Uh, there was, you know, you know, things going on, you know, quite a bit of activity. Uh, but even as we were preparing uh, to go to, to a function, to an affair. And so instead of me trying to stay up and, and do something else, the Lord's like, no, you need to go ahead and take a nap. Now, me personally, I don't like taking naps. Because I'm like, man, you know, it's going to throw off my sleep, but I heard specifically cross my heart, cross my mind. No, you need to take a nap. And I heard it. I was like, okay, let me go ahead and listen to the voice of the Lord. And I took a nap. I rested. And it was so good. I was like, God, I thank you for that wisdom. Because you can wind up saying, it's like, man, you know, I'm going to try to study and quote, unquote, get in His presence. Sometimes getting in His presence, the Lord will just say, man, go to sleep. Don't be religious talking about, yeah, you know, I'm going to try to study and I'm going to try to read this. Lord's like, look, go to sleep. I'm still here. But close your eyes in my presence and do not be ashamed. Do not be guilty about it. There's the moments where God will say, man, you know, I need you to stay up and I need you to contend and I need you to intercede. But then there's other moments where God's like, no, you know, you know, you, you need a rest. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever fallen asleep or have actually rested, especially under the mandate and instruction of the Lord, I'm telling you, it is a great rest. That's what you call a good sleep. That's what you call a good sleep. So the Lord drew him to a place of rest. And so today we have to intentionally take moments to rest. Because, again, we live in a busy culture, but we have to intentionally take moments to retreat and we have to intentionally take moments to rest. It has to be intentional. It can't just be something like, yeah, I'm going to get to it. No, it has to be something. You know what? I'm going to do this because it's absolutely necessary. Here's why. This is a practice. Rest is a practice and principle and promise that God establishes. Got to say that again. Rest is a practice and principle and promise that God establishes. The 24-7, 365 grind ideology is our culture, but it is not biblical. I'm going to say that again because we have shirts and we we market it and it's a great tagline. You know, I grind grind 24-7, 365. Okay, that's the culture, but that is not a biblical perspective from God. He never designed us to go 24-7, 365. It's just not healthy. And then it violates a principle and a practice that he himself did and established. In creation, we know this. It's simple, but it's true. The Lord rested. When did he rest? On the seventh day. And so what many people, what you hear about today, uh, and we don't, we don't practice this you know, in our in our Western society. <clears throat> but there's something called a Sabbath. And so the Sabbath is literally a day of rest and it's highly revealed because this is something God did himself. Now, if this is something that God did. God did himself. And this is something that we have to do as well. Somebody say, I need to rest. <laughs> If you heard the term sabbatical, it is based upon this principle. Sometimes you hear it in the, in the realm of academia that sabbatical is used for professors. What they might do is take a year off to be able to study, to be able to learn um, and to be able to travel and research and write. So they take a sabbatical year. matter of fact, a sabbatical year is actually something that is biblical as well. You don't have to turn there, but Leviticus says this, six years thou shalt sow thy field and six years thou shalt prune the vineyard and gather the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. Thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard. And so rest is key. Rest is critical because what it does, it gives the land opportunity to reproduce. And so that same principle we find in ourselves as well. So here we go. When you have those moments, because this is what, I, what, what we might find ourselves doing that we want to be mindful of. When we have those getaway moments, and what I'm talking about specifically is something that is different. When we're talking about retreating and resting, it's in response to his presence and it's drawing his presence. This isn't the, this isn't the time to get away and fill your schedule with a bunch of tourist activities. I'm going to say that again. This type of retreat, this type of rest, this isn't the time to fill your schedule up with activities. That's what's something that you could do on vacation. You could do that with vacations and sightseeing and doing all that type of stuff. But this is what you realize. Have you ever been on vacation and came back from vacation tired? <laughs> so, see, our vacation, what we do on vacation isn't in, isn't what God intends as it pertains to retreat and resting. And so we don't want to, uh, not saying that vacations are bad, vacations are great, good out, see, do things, experience some new things, all that is good. But in responding to his presence, in responding to his voice, in responding to his call and what he's drawing, rest is going to be key. And so again, we don't want to fill our schedule up. And this kind of helps me out, and hopefully it helps you as well. For people who feel like they're going to miss something by resting, you're going to miss more without rest. You will miss more without rest. Because sometimes you'll be like, man, I'm just going to stay up because I don't want to miss this time to do this. I'm going to do this. No, you're going to wind up missing something even more important on the other end. Rest is absolutely necessary. It's key. Even physiologically speaking, rest allows your body the opportunity to renew itself. Your cells literally regenerate. When you're sleeping, when you give your body the adequate amount of rest. This is something that I always have to learn and contend with this even personally. Some people, man, they got rest down as far as for this actual sleep. They got that down. It's like, no, I get my sleep. Some people have that mindset, that perspective. No, I'm, I'm going to sleep. For me, this is what I realized. I'm like, God, you, you got to help me because I, you know, I have I, I burn it sometimes on both ends because, you know, my mind is it'll just get real active and just overly thinking and creating and all that type of stuff. And so God has to literally now I lay me down to sleep. And so I have to I have to learn and practice like, God, you know, what? this is your principle. This is something that's a practice. But then this is also something that you promise. But here's the other thing. Don't let people, children, bosses or any other circumstances pull you away from rest. Because rest isn't isn't just a physical state of just, man, you know, I'm sleeping, but rest is a disposition in his presence. Rest saturates the atmosphere of heaven. And it's something that's available for us to be able to have and live out here on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Rest is so key. And ultimately, there's even not time. You know, God even promises rest. There's rest on earth and then there's even a greater rest that we have yet to experience. That's found in Hebrews four. But check this out. The dove, Holy Spirit, the presence of the of God looks for a place to rest. He looks for that atmosphere that that is in heaven on earth. We we can we can see it. It's in uh, we first see this in Genesis uh, chapter eight, verse nine through 13. I'll just talk about this, but then we'll turn to another scripture. But with Noah. We remember Noah in the ark and it had rained 40 days, 40 nights. And then after the rain had stopped, he released a raven and a dove from the ark because all he could see from his 360 panoramic view was just water. But after the rains had stopped, you know, he released a raven and a dove to see if there was anywhere in essence, you know, just to find out, you know, what's going on. So on the first release, the dove returned. He released the dove. The dove came back because, you know, the waters were still around. On the second release, he released the dove. The dove came back with an olive leaf. This is so powerful. On the third release, somebody say the third release. On the third release, he released the dove. And the dove did not return back anymore because the waters had abated. Yeah. So so it's very powerful. The scripture says this, even when he did this, it said that the ark had rested on Mount on Mount ever 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 yet. If, if, yeah, something. Yeah, I don't know how to. I get the AR part right. <laughs> but it says that even the ark rested. Come on now. So now on the third release, the dove found a place of rest. So now we see this again. Turn with me to Matthew chapter three. There is rest to his presence. There was rest in his presence. And then we see here the rest of his presence. Matthew chapter 3. Verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Come on now. (coughs) He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. And lighting upon him, or as other translations say, and resting, or settling upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so even today, the presence of God looks to find hosts where he can rest. His presence looks to rest in us, but then also to rest upon us as well. And so Here's the other thing as well that I I even started thinking about it, you know, because the dove is very sensitive. And so agitation is not an environment where the dove is comfortable to be able to rest. And so we can't be agitated. One, that's not the atmosphere of heaven. But we can't we don't want to be agitated in our minds. We don't want to be agitated in our spirits because God's like, hey, I'm in you, but I even want to rest on you even more powerfully. But then even what heaven has to present, the anointing looks to rest and for us to be settled in the anointing. Here's another area of rest that we can be restful in or settled in. You know what? You can even be settled and rest in his call. God doesn't want us disturbed or unsettled in the thing in which he's called us to do. Matter of fact, we look at Jesus even in his own lifestyle in the midst of a storm. He already gave a charge. Look, this is what's going to happen. How can, in the middle of a storm, Jesus is resting, sound asleep, and the disciples are the ones that are agitated? And Jesus comes up with his rest that he carries and releases that upon a stormy environment and says, What? Peace, Peace. be still. And then the disciples were looking at him scared. (laughs) It's like, who is this that commands winds and waves? Who is this is the one that's on the inside of us. And so it's that same environment of rest that God works to produce in our lives and through our lives. So now what people do, what God will position us to do is people that are agitated because it's amazing, you know, we want to we have a tendency to want to avoid people uh, that are agitated. But at the same time, God puts us in a position because we're the ones that are supposed to carry rest to release the rest to settle their agitation. <laughs> Here, we're the ones that are anointed. We think about it. Remember, remember King Saul? He was the one that had a distressing spirit. Imagine if Dave was like, man, I'm not playing for that dude. He's distressed. God's like, no, but you have the anointing. You've been in my presence. You're the one that who I gave the lyrics of Psalm 23 to that had a concept of rest even then in his presence. So now if you if you if you find yourself in an environment, an environment of agitated people makes here, Here's the challenge that we all have to deal with to not fall under that same spirit. We'll forget that we're the ones that carry rest. And next thing you know, we get agitated with their agitation. It's like, oh, my gosh, they just frustrate me so much. Well, why? (laughs) We don't come under that influence anymore because we have a different presence. So this is something that, you know, I, I, um. I, I challenged one one young person the other day. You know, they were talking about you know you know they're on a college campus and you know the roommates and things of that nature and you know they have a real challenging personality and they were like, man, you know, I'm just praying that that person just you know whatever the case may be that they're no longer part of our dorm. I was like, ah, you know, I don't think that's probably the right prayer. <laughs> Like I hear what you're saying, but what you might want to do is kind of change the disposition and ask God, okay, God, how do you want to grow me through this situation? What is it that's kind on of the inside of me that can be released? Cause I'm telling you, there there are people that can just grate you just personality wise. Yeah, I know I ain't the only one. There are people that can grate you just personality wise. It's like, man, I don't want to have any type of dealing or conversation with this person whatsoever. But God's like on the inside, but I do. <laughs> we say, I don't want to deal with them. God says, but I do. Yes. Amen. So instead of uh, some of those cases like, God, I thank you, Lord, that you just cause them to leave or fire or I just rebuke them, it, God, it'll, it'll be something that the Lord will just put a pull on the inside of. He's like, hey, have you prayed for them yet? So he'll say, okay, so settle your spirit, rest your spirit right now. And then you can minister, then you can hear from me now. Retreat to my presence, hear what I'm saying, get some rest in your spirit, and then you can hear from me. That's what God had to do with Elijah. It's like, Elijah, what are you doing here? Had to get him to a place of rest so that way he could speak to him. Wow. I didn't understand this, but I was in a, because, you know, again, I have a tendency to get antsy in. And God, God help me, <laughs> even now. I've, I've learned from, I'm, I've heard, I'm just thinking of echoes from my father and, and even pro, prophet. You know, they, they, they care, you know, as a spiritual overseer, but then also just as parents. It's like, man, are you resting? I remember my dad, he would always say, man, you know what? Are you getting away? Let me know if you need to get away. And I didn't understand it. I was like, nah, I'm good, I'm straight. I got energy, but I'm young. And it's just ignorance. <laughs> I haven't walked some of the stuff that, so it's like, it's coming. What it is is wisdom from future years that I haven't walked in yet. That I can glean now. And so he'll say, you know, are you resting? Where was I going with that? Help me out, Holy Ghost. Retreating to his presence. Right, so he could speak to me. And settling in the anointing, settling in. It'll come back around. I know it's one other thing that I was sharing that with, but it's important. So the Holy Spirit looks for a place to rest, for us to be settled, for us to be at peace, in our hearts and our minds. Because if we're not, it affects our bodies.. <laughs> Here's the other thing. there's retreat, there's rest, but then there's the recharge. Somebody just shout, "recharge!" All right. So here we go. Now, when we're talking about recharge, I know there's one connotation and one context and we can think about this. And again, we're still in First Kings chapter 19. But this isn't just a renewal of your energy. The root word here that I was looking at that was kind of highlighted to me in the word recharge is charge, which denotes advancement. So in other words, In your retreating and in your resting, then God will recharge you. In other words, give you an ability to charge again and even greater. So now we see here, verse 11, here, God, here, here, Elijah retreated. God brought him to a place of rest, spoke to him. um, and, and, And then it says this. One, he said, what are you doing here? Then, then Elijah said, you know, I've been zealous and I've done all this type of thing. And then this is what God says to Elijah. Then he said, verse 11, in 1 Kings chapter 19, go out and stand on the mountain, somebody say the mountain, mountain. before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after that fire, a still small voice. Now, God was just in the fire not too long ago. But then a fire shows up again and God's like, hey, I'm not in it. (laughs) So it was when Elijah heard it after he heard the still small voice, then he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. Same thing that he said again. Verse 15, then the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. And you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah. And you shall anoint as prophet in your place. In other words, Elisha is going to replace you. Verse 17, it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet have yet I have reserved seven thousand in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So here we go. In the midst of retreat and rest, God gave him a recharge. He gave him some fresh instructions and that recharged the prophet. It's the word that recharges. Now, here's a powerful principle don't leave your rest until you receive your charge. Do not leave your rest until you receive your charge. Until you receive the word of the Lord, do not leave your rest, because otherwise, without it, you will not be in rest. That's when God arrests us in his presence. Amen. <laughs> in other words, you are my captive. And don't go anywhere until you receive the recharge. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking right now, when I, when I was physically arrested, I got charged. <laughs> of course, that's in a negative sense. <laughs> that was downward. But still, in the principle, arrested in his presence, he charges us. But it's not a charge of condemnation. It's a charge of strength. It's a charge of his word. It's a charge of proclamation, instruction, and direction. So be in the moment to hear the Lord give you clear directives. And in that, ask God to open your heart so you can discern the distinction of his presence. Because sometimes we'll try to look for God to speak or do something in the same way that he did before. And he said, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh Don't try to box me into a pattern. I'm God. Well, God, you just moved so powerfully before in the fire. Where's the fire again? So this is what God does. God will lovingly on some occasions hide himself for the seekers to proactively seek him. God will lovingly hide himself for the seekers to proactively seek him. And the reason why is because there's growth and development and strength that comes in the process of hide and seek. (laughs) And he hides to be found. (laughs) But it's part of that seeking for us to be able to see. Now, one other thing that some prophetic insight, just even talking about retreat, rest, and recharged and dealing with this was just the, the location in which God would have these encounters with several people throughout scripture. And so we see here, Elijah had this particular encounter with the Lord in the mountains. Moses had a serious encounter several years earlier and was given instructions to go to Mount Sinai. Because you know... God actually wrote the commandments on tablets that, uh, on on tablets, God wrote it himself. And Moses, in his anger, literally broke the word of the Lord. He broke the commands of God. And so, God, a second time, he's like, okay, we're gonna do this again, Moses. And you don't have to turn there, but it's in Exodus chapter 34. And the Lord said to Moses, cut two tablets of stone like the first ones, and I will write on these tablets the words. that were in the first tablets, which you broke. <laughs> and then he says this, so be ready in the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me there on the top of the mountain. He called him to this specific place. He's like, man, you know, what? because I'm going to encounter and I'm going to speak and God actually showed up. And he is so amazing when you go back, I encourage you to read. Uh, no, we got to do it now. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. It's powerful because when God announces himself, that's important. So, Exodus chapter 34. But it's just so powerful how God showed up on the mountain here. All right, and let me just go to verse 3. Uh... All right, so he's already on a mountain. Then verse 5 and the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, Moses there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. So God came and proclaimed himself. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. Long suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. And that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And then, of course, he pleaded with God and, and God you know, established parameters of forgiveness. But again, God announced himself on the mountain. To Moses, called Moses to a place of retreat and then announced himself. So here we see Elijah had an encounter on a mountain. Moses has an encounter on a mountain. And then Jesus had a very special encounter with both Moses and Elijah at the same time on a mountain. Matthew chapter 17, verse 1 through 5, and it says this. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Now, what's interesting is, uh, not that we read of it, in Exodus chapter 34, when Moses came back from that experience with Mount Sinai, his face was shining. So much so that that encounter, his encounter, he became radiant. And so here we see here, and he, again, verse 2, Jesus, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make... Here are three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. God interrupted what Peter was saying. That is interesting. In other words, the Lord's like, no, Peter, that ain't it. Not on the mountain. Now, I'm going through this, and, you know, when, when, when God is speaking to you and some of those things, you know, God, I'm sitting here reading this and just, just noticing some things. And stuff starts, starts, stuff starts coming flooding and, and thoughts. But then one of the thoughts that came, I heard, I believe that I heard the voice of the Lord say, ask me why the mountains. He's like, ask me why the mountains. And I was going to it, pass it by. I was like, ah, you know what? That wasn't God. But then the question came again. No, ask me why the mountains? So then I literally said out of my mouth, "Okay, God, why the mountains? What do they mean to you? And again, this is just some prophetic insights. Mountains were created in his majesty. Matter of fact, let me say this the way that it came to me. Mountains were created in my majesty. They were designed to be places of worship, honor, and sacrifice. He said mountains or high places also provide a positioning advantage in battle. Here's another thing he shared with me. Their peaks point to my splendor and strength. Said this, they are made, they are not made by man nor for man. They are made by me. And then this is what came to me and I I, got to like even go back and even understand even more. But he said, they are my altars. And when we think about it, even in that context of what we just saw there, because Peter was trying to make an altar and the Lord's like, nope. It's not going to happen. He said men have desecrated many of them with worship to idols. This is why you must say, as Caleb in the Old Testament, give me this mountain. You must reclaim the mountains. And of course, uh, so that they may bring me glory. Your ascension to the mountaintop, your lifting of your hands. And again, this wasn't just directly to me, but just as far as for just what men do in general when they climb mountains. Your ascension to the mountaintop, your lifting of your hands is not to be as one who achieved and conquered a mountain. It's to be an ascension and lifting of the hands in worship. And then this was said as well, mountains are a place of rest and restoration. Jonah's ark rests hidden in the mountains that men might not worship the ark nor the mountains where it rests, but the God who designed them both. And this one last thing was very strong, but I want to declare this as well. He says, I myself will shake the nation and reclaim what you call the temple mount that my name may be glorified in all the earth. I need to say that one more time. I myself will shake the nation and reclaim what you call, meaning you, meaning men, called the Temple Mount, that my name may be glorified in all the earth. There may be another time where I could come back, because I had, a, um, I was like, Lord, and I'm writing this stuff down, and now going back, it's like, I don't even know what this means. But then I started going back. I was like, oh, this is scripture. There's scriptures that he's telling me this. And then he was like, okay, now go back. Now there's scripture that talks about mountains and his power. But all this isn't connected while God looks to encounter us. Now, (laughs) that's some prophetic insight. Now, here's a prophetic directive. Make intentional plans to rest and retreat to his presence. Mark out time to literally go to a high place, a hill or a mountain, so he can speak to you away from the noise of the low places. Here's the other thing. If you believe, if you write it and declare it so, God will even provide finances for an actual retreat for you. If you believe it, write it down and declare it so, God will actually provide finances for a retreat, not a vacation, but a retreat. (laughs) So this provision, uh, and again, nothing wrong with vacations, but this provision particularly is for a retreat to be in his presence and not fill up your calendar and schedule with other events and activities. It's to be before him, enjoying him, him enjoying you. For him speaking to you, him recharging you. And so again, he will provide the finances for an actual retreat. If you believe it, write it down and declare it so. You can either go individually and or as husband and wife. An encounter awaits you there. And so lastly, I'll say this because it was brought back to my remembrance. Last Wednesday, I spoke regarding your passports. And the Lord reminded me, he's like, yeah, that came out of your mouth, but let me just add a little bit more revelation (laughs) revelation to that. There will be a mission and retreat associated with this. So believe God to get your passports. If you don't have them already. God's got something already, uh, not necessarily, quote unquote, up his sleeves, but he's got plans. (laughs) Let's stand. <clears throat> A few things we want to be able to pray. So what is our response? What is the promise is to retreat, to rest and recharge. To retreat, to rest and recharge. <laughs> It has to be intentional. So let's, so we don't want to be uh, passe, you know, about this. There's things uh, that God wants to be able to do uh, because even in that environment, you know, He can speak some additional things. I remember my wife and I, we wound up going to the mountains because we were there for an event, for a function to be able to, well, I was there, and of course she was with me, to uh, marry a young couple. But the view, the view the view of the mountains was so beautiful <laughs> and then in that moment i just started seeing some things you know we were worshiping we were just uh just establishing an atmosphere in a resort where we were staying at and while we were just we just kind of opened up the blinds and things of that nature and it was so awesome but then i started to see some things and god started speaking i was like man you know what it's it's, it's something in particular that god speaks to me different spoke to me differently as opposed to when i'm just On a beach or by the water. And then that's just the insight. He's like, yeah, mountains and hills are significant. He's like, I created them out of my power. And so, again, we want to pray for rest. I'm just going to declare and just there's just a receiving and impartation of rest. If this is one thing that Jesus says, come all, come unto me. All you that are laboring and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And here's the beautiful thing about it. Guess what? You can keep coming. Because it's not like yeah, you know, I'm out of rest. You're gonna have to carry this on your own. There is still rest. If, if you feel like that you've been, you you know, you've taken uh, you know, we've, we've taken blows and taken hits and things of that nature, guess what? There's still rest. It's like, God, I thank you for your rest right now. Rest for the soul. And ye shall find, see that hide and seek? And ye shall find rest for your soul. And guess what? You can be at rest, again, as we talk about Jesus, in the middle of a storm. Don't, don't. <laughs> you can't rebuke a storm and tell it to rest until you're at rest first. Because sometimes we try to rebuke someone, peace be still. The storm like, you ain't, so I ain't. <laughs> when you come from a place of rest, then what comes out of your mouth is an authoritative rest. That's the environment of heaven that now those circumstances have to be subject to. Because it's not your rest, it's his. And his is rest and peace, and you ain't got to die to do that. So, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And if you feel like, man, I just need, I, I, I want just this rest. I want this rest for my soul. Just lift your hands just way up. I mean, you can just lift them just way up. Father, we thank you, Lord. God, that even now, Lord, that you're just releasing rest. Lord, I thank you, Lord. Oh, wow. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Lord, right now, even with our hands up, we're on the mountaintop in your presence, in heavenly places, God. So I thank you, Lord, for rest. God, I declare and prophesy, God, and I thank you, Lord, for impartation of rest to the souls right now in the name of Jesus. Rest in the spirit. Rest from agitation from outside people and outside noise and circumstances and bosses and coworkers and and family members, God. I thank you, God. We declare and receive rest of callings and anointings, God, that we're not going to be agitated or wrestling with assignments, Father. I thank you, God, that it's a settling right now in the name of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, dove. Rest upon us as we are resting. God, and I thank you, Lord, that it's in that authority and in that position of rest, God, that we're able to declare peace be still. God, so we declare peace be still to minds, peace be still to hearts, to spirits in the name of Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And out of the mouth of the babe, God, to that we say, Lord, amen. <laughs> now, one other thing that I want to do as well is just even uh, declare, just even rest in bodies. Rest in bodies. Rest in bodies. Rest in bodies. If bodies have, you know, just feel agitated or restless, we declare rest in bodies. I appreciate the prayers that we even prayed. Pray for me, just even with the congestion uh, that I've overcome. <laughs> but we're declaring rest in bodies. So even if that's you, then you could just lay your hand on yourself, right, right now. God, we thank you, Lord, for rest in bodies. In the name of Jesus. Rest in bodies, God. We command your peace, your wholeness, your soundness to every area, God, that might be agitated in our bodies. Every joint, every ligament, every cell, every system, Father. We command rest to our your rest to our bodies, and the shalom of God come. I thank you, O oh, primaha for restoring in the name of Jesus, for restoring to wholeness. For restoring to wholeness, God. Health, vitality, strength, vigor, strength. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And to that we say, Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And this is an encouragement. The enemy cannot contend with a rested individual. With a rested warrior. <laughs> the enemy cannot contend with a rested warrior. How many of y'all receive that rest tonight? So make sure you sabbatical, that you do something to where you can retreat to his presence, intentionally. That you can get away. Glory to God, glory to God. Can we just bless God right now? Let's just, let's just begin to just bless God. Let's just bless God. God, you're so good. God, you are worthy. God, you are awesome. God, you are mighty. God, you are powerful. God, we thank you, Lord, that we can find rest in your presence, that we can rest to your presence. God, we worship you, God, even in the midst, Lord. We acknowledge the fact, Lord, that you are here even now, that your presence is here even now providing this rest, God. We thank you for your kingdom being made manifest even now, providing this rest in the name of Jesus. And with that, God, with that revelation, with that understanding, our response is to worship you. Even as Moses on the mountain encountered your presence, he worshiped God. We worship you right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that even in the midst of worship, God, that, the atmos- that there's an exchange going on right now, Lord. An exchange is atmospheres. Excha- yeah, an exchange of atmospheres because in worship, that is the atmosphere of heaven, God. So even in this, in this environment, even in this atmosphere of worship, God, I thank you, Lord, for an exchange, God, and the release of the rest of heaven upon us. The rest of heaven within us, God, and we carry it, Lord, for others to experience, God, and to receive. So, Lord, again, we do worship you, God. We do worship you, Lord. We do worship you, God. We do worship you, Lord. We do honor you, Father. We do worship you, Jesus. We do worship you, Jesus. You are so good. You are so good. Thank you, God, for rest, God. Thank you, God, for retreat, Father. Thank you, God, for re... Oh, okay. This is a moment that we just got to settle in because God just even wants to recharge right now. God wants to recharge based upon what was revealed tonight and the definition of recharge. So I'm going to rest from my speaking and allow God to recharge and speak. Even right now, he wants that opportunity. Amen.